Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, this is Carla Unseth with Building a Bridge to God's Word. Thank you so much for joining me today as we continue to look at the translation of the book of Titus. So today we are looking at Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 15 and this means that we're more than halfway through the book so I hope that what we've done so far has given you a look at what kinds of things translators think about and even why translation takes so much time. There's just so many different issues that we need to consider as we're doing a translation. So, today's translation principle has to do with translating idioms or figures of speech. So, when you're translating, what do you do when you come upon a figure of speech in the text? There are a lot of different kinds of figures of speech, and some are pretty easy to translate, like a simile. A simile is comparing two things using like or as. For example, in English, we say something like, I'm as happy as a lark. So, you're comparing your happiness to this particular bird. So as long as the culture has the two things or something similar, it's really pretty easy. But some different figures of speech are more complicated, like sayings. For example, in English, we say the cat's out of the bag to mean that a mystery or a secret has been revealed. And the words, the cat and out and bag, really don't have anything to do with the underlying meaning. So when you're translating Of course, you want to translate the underlying meaning, not the exact words. You want to say, well, everyone knows the secret, unless there's a similar saying in that culture where they would understand it. So the first thing when you're translating idioms is to make sure that you are alert to the idioms in the text. There might be figures of speech that you're so used to that you don't even realize that they are figures of speech. And we'll actually see one of these in our text today. So then you'll need to make sure that you're translating the meaning. This might mean that you have to take the figure of speech out, like we were saying before, but it might also mean that you could use a figure of speech from the new culture. And in fact, you can even use figures of speech from the new culture at other times in the text just to make the text more interesting. So with that in mind, let's go on to today's text. We are looking again at Titus 2, 11 through 15, and as I've said before, we are reading from the English Standard Version. So it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So when we start out with verse 11, right away we have a figure of speech. So I'm going to read verse 11 to you again and see if you can pick out what the figure of speech is. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So did you catch it? 
This is one of those figures of speech that you might be so used to that you don't even notice it. And this is a figure of speech called personification. It says, the grace of God appears and it brings salvation. But really, grace is not a, an animate object. It's not a thing that can literally appear or actually bring anything. And we know this so well in our culture that it might be like, well, it's obvious that this is just showing how grace relates to these things. But in an other culture, it might sound really weird to say that grace appears and brings salvation. And it might even sound so weird that it becomes nonsensical. It doesn't even make any sense to them. So when you translate, you might need to reword this a bit. You could say one of the things you could do is to put God as the agent rather than grace. So God is the one actually doing those things. So you can say, God has revealed his grace, that's grace appearing, by providing for a way for all people to be saved. That's grace bringing salvation. So you see how we're still getting the idea of grace appearing, still getting the idea of grace bringing salvation, but we're using God as the agent instead. This figure of speech actually continues into verse 12, where it says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Who trains us to do these things? Well, in Greek, the subject is still grace from verse 11. So again, you can change the subject by either saying, God teaches us by his grace, or you can also make it passive. By God's grace, we are learning. So the rest of this verse tells us two things. First, what we should renounce as a result of God's grace. And second, what we should actually do. We must renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. These words mean that someone behaves in a way that don't honor God. That's ungodliness. And that a person desires or lusts after the things that the world has to offer. The things that we should do then are to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And I'm not going to talk about what those words mean here because we've talked about that in other verses. And of course, when you're translating, you can do that. Once you've done research in one area, you can apply it to other areas also. So at the end of the verse, it says, in the present age. So this is another thing that could be a little confusing, but it just means it's not like some specific time. It really does just mean now, during this present time, or even while we're living here in this world. So when we move on to verse 13, it says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this verse actually does start with a translation issue. The question is, how does this word waiting connect to the previous verse? There's not like a good strong connection word. It's just this word waiting. So the question is in translation, does it mean that we live righteously while we're waiting for the fulfillment of our hope? Or does it mean that we live righteously because we're waiting for the fulfillment of our hope? And this might be one case where you are listening to this and thinking, does it really even matter? Those things are actually pretty similar. And it's true. They actually are similar. And it might be a little bit difficult. You might have to spend put some brain power into thinking about what the difference is between 
living righteously while we're waiting or living righteously because we're waiting. And it may also be that Paul didn't really want to make a distinction between the two. He just wanted to connect them because they're both there. And so if you can make it general, that's great. And that's what the ESV has done by just using the word waiting. But there are cases where a language doesn't have a word like that or a verb form like that. So it can't be just general. And then you might have to make a decision. And so that's why you need to keep it in mind. So as we go on in this verse, there's another interesting choice. The phrase at the end, which says, Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, has a choice which you might not realize. I always assumed that this referred to God the Father and Jesus Christ. But the Greek grammar actually connects these two things so that they're probably referring to one person. God, our great God, who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in other words, this is making a statement about the fact that God and Jesus are one. And that's a pretty important statement. And so we really want to make it at least possible for that interpretation to be there in the way that you translate. And that's what the ESV has done by saying our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, that and could mean same, they're the same person, or it could also mean that they're two different people. So they're kind of leaving that a little bit ambiguous, but still making it possible for that interpretation of them being one. Okay, so then we go on to verse 14, and it continues with the idea of who Jesus is. It says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The first thing this verse says about Jesus is that he gave himself for us. So the translation aids that I looked at point out that this is a comforting truth, and that is that Jesus was a willing sacrifice. He gave himself for us. That shows that he wasn't forced into it, but it was will- he was willing. So, of course, in translation, you want to make sure that you use a word that notes that it was a willing sacrifice. You don't want it to sound like Jesus was forced into it. But this is also nice because it's one of those areas where doing this type of study for translation does have things that, I mean, we've said it's different than devotional study. But at the same time, there are these little truths that you pick up that are comforting or that can apply to your life. So that's just, that's really nice to be able to see in here. Another potential issue in this verse is where it says he redeems us from all lawlessness. So it's another case where this connecting word from could mean two different things. It could mean that he redeemed us from doing lawless things ourselves. That's kind of a result of our sin nature. He redeemed us so we no longer sin. Or it could mean that he has redeemed us from the effects of evil or wickedness by setting us free from the power of sin. So once again, this is one of those things where it might take a little brain work to figure out what the difference is. So it might be easy to say, ah, it's not that big of a difference. But for that reason, if you can leave it ambiguous, it's probably a good idea. But if you have to make make a decision, you're going to want to think through which is the better option. And the translation handbook recommends going with that first option to say that he's redeemed us from doing lawless things ourselves. He's redeemed us from our sin nature. 
Okay, let's move on to verse 15, which is the final verse of chapter 2. And it gives a wrap up of what has been said. It says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So we don't have too many translation issues in this verse, but you do want to make sure that you have good words chosen for some of these key words like exhort, rebuke, even authority. I've found that that can be more difficult than you might realize. And you also want to make sure that when it says teaching these things or declare these things, that these things refers to everything that has been said, not just the last few verses, but all the things that he has said so far in this book. And then, of course, we want to make sure that this main idea is communicated, and that is that Titus should be teaching with authority. He should expect respect from his congregation. He doesn't want anyone to be disregarding his teaching, which kind of has both ideas of just not paying attention, but also sort of openly disdaining him. So we don't want somebody who's going to be going against or undermining Titus's teaching. So that is the end of chapter two, and there's only one chapter left in the book of Titus, and that chapter has a really amazing gospel message, so I'm looking forward to going through that with you. So for today's passage, I hoped you learned a few things about how to translate figures of speech and even about how we live as we wait for Christ's return. So thank you so much for joining us, and I hope to see you again next time on Building a Bridge to God's Word.